When you've been on a journey to find out what's wrong with you, it's always a relief to be told exactly what it was. That's Liam Galvin from Ireland, speaking about the moment of diagnosis. He's a patient advocate and has lost his wife to a rare lung condition called idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. Welcome to Journeys Through Pulmonary Fibrosis, a podcast by Boeringer Ingelheim. I'm Louis, and I'll be joining some extraordinary people affected by this rare condition as they take us along the unique path to diagnosis and beyond. Pulmonary fibrosis leads to a decline in lung function. And, as we have learned on the last episode, it can be a long and winding road to diagnosis since the condition is not widely known and misdiagnoses frequently happen. Ron Fluitt from the UK lives with idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. Let's hear from him about why receiving a diagnosis may be a relief. It was a big, big relief when I got diagnosed. It was a relief to be diagnosed with something because sometimes you think there's nothing wrong with you or is it me, is it my imagination that I'm out of breath walking upstairs and the cough? So it was a great relief because then you can look into your disease, you can learn about the symptoms and you can act and do something about it. Melissa from Canada shares Ron's experience. It was a relief to get a diagnosis because the uncertainty is exhausting. <laughs> You're going over and over in your mind and um, and sort of rationalizing every little thing that you're going through. Oh, my coughs may be a little better today, or I'm maybe not as short of breath today, or, you know, I just ran up the stairs really fast and that's why I can't breathe right now. I felt like I'm making up these symptoms. I can't stop thinking about breathing. I'm, you know, I felt like there was something that I had, you know, almost a mental illness at that time. Once I did have that answer, it's almost like a, like a release of, uh, of that exhaustion and just being able to like, okay, it is okay that I'm completely exhausted and, and I can deal with this now because I have an answer. But of course, a diagnosis is also the moment of certainty and truth, as Edith Brown from the UK describes. I think I was kidding myself at the beginning because I didn't accept that I had anything wrong with me. So I think I had to be convinced that I had to take the disease seriously. And the truth can be hard to take especially for loved ones like Ron's wife, Maxine. When Ron was diagnosed, I was absolutely shell-shocked, as he would have heard three to five years. But I also got a feeling that it was more than what we realised. I was listening intently and probably took on more and have to say I was in a bit of a, a daze, a bit of a like, I've got to find out what this is and how we can deal with it and what we can do to, at that naive time think to try and make it better. Liam, whose wife had lived with pulmonary fibrosis, remembers her feeling anger towards the pulmonologist who delivered the diagnosis. I suppose it's a case of you shouldn't shoot the messenger, but that was done because the pulmonologist in question wasn't really a specialist in pulmonary fibrosis. They did come across quite harsh. 
we were basically told that you have IPF, uh, that it's very serious. We give you two to three years of life expectancy if things go well. We weren't really given much information. This seems to be a common theme uh, in the support groups. My experience is that uh, unless you happen to live within the locality of a specialist center, you are left to your own devices with a, in a community setting with a specialist who might not be very familiar with pulmonary fibrosis. Um, so I would urge anyone with a diagnosis, if they're not already being seen by a recognized specialist in um, IPF and pulmonary fibrosis, to ask to be referred to one. Today's generation of specialists are very conscious about how to deliver a diagnosis, like pulmonologist Letitia Kawano Dorado. So giving the diagnosis of pulmonary fibrosis is not easy. And uh, there are many complexities associated to it, especially because the diagnosis workup, not infrequently, uh, lead us into probabilities of diagnosis instead of certainty, as for, is, as for cancer, for example. So communicating uncertainty is very challenging, especially when the patient is anxious about the possible diagnosis in the future. So what I usually do is to confidently communicate the diagnosis and the degree of uncertainty around it. I also confidently communicate that 100% certainty is not necessary to properly care for them. The progress we made in the last decade in the field of pulmonary fibrosis is amazing. The horizon is not gray nor narrow, rather it's open ahead of us. In many cases, pulmonary fibrosis may develop in conjunction with an underlying disease managed by a rheumatologist like Anna Maria Hoffman-Vold. So the role of the rheumatologist in delivering the diagnosis of pulmonary fibrosis and rheumatic diseases is pivotal. We often know our patients very well. We treat and follow them also for all other organs involved. In most cases, patients will get their diagnosis from a rheumatologist once they have a known underlying rheumatic disease. We also take into account the other organs involved, which may be not be impacting long-term outcome, but very much impact the patient's quality of life and also um, lifestyles. And both specialists have clear advice for fellow physicians. So my advice to a young or to a fellow doctor in giving the diagnosis would be to very carefully and comprehensively explain the consequences to the patient. Sit down with a patient, tell them what pulmonary fibrosis actually is, but also how it will impact their life and what we will do in the future. We should explain the monitoring of the patients, what they should expect over time, how often they come back to the clinic. Every fellow doctor should also know about um, patient schools, um, specified nurses, pulmonary rehabilitation. 
My piece advice for young doctors giving a diagnosis of pulmonary fibrosis is that you need to communicate clear the diagnosis and the uncertainty around it because transparency builds trust. You, you should also communicate clearly the lack of necessity to have certainty in order to care properly for the patient. Additionally, a confident and positive attitude is super important besides demonstrating that you'll be there for them on their journey. For Melissa, an individually tailored approach is key. I think my advice to a doctor would be to remember that this is brand new and overwhelming for the patient and everybody's different. Some people are going to want to know everything right away and other people aren't going to be able to process that. You know, it's important to be realistic with patients, um, but then also sensitive to what their what their needs are as a patient in terms of hearing that diagnosis. Do they have a support person with them that can help them process that information? Do they have lots of questions that I, I need to answer right now or do they just want the diagnosis and and move on from there? Pulmonary fibrosis, without any doubt, is serious, but there is still hope, and therefore being positive in delivering the diagnosis is important. Edith tells us more. Try and be as positive as possible and explain to the patient that there's an awful lot they can do um, to keep themselves healthy because I think it's really important for, for the, the patient to be as positive as possible and to, to keep yourself as healthy as you possibly can. And I think maybe the pulmonary specialist needs to be honest but um, positive and um, explaining that you're not just your disease, you're still your, you, you are still the person you were before. Ron feels the same way and encourages healthcare professionals to dig deeper into how someone is really feeling following a diagnosis like this. I suppose the number one point for the doctor giving the diagnosis is maybe show some empathy with the patient. Even if they ask if you're okay and maybe put your arm on you so you can feel something, you know. I remember once when I had a large drop and the nurse said to me, Ron, are you okay? And I said, yes. And then she leaned over and said, Ron, are you really okay? And that's when I burst into tears. Getting the diagnosis is a key moment in the journey of people living with pulmonary fibrosis. But what happens next? Let's hear again from pulmonologist Letitia Kawano dorado once the diagnosis is done, I will be monitoring a few things. First, disease progression as measured by forced vital capacity. Forced vital capacity is measured by asking the patient to take a deep breath and then blow it all out, all everything out. And by measuring this amount of uh, air that was inside your lung, I have an idea of how good or bad is the lung disease. Also, I am concerned with uh, the adaptation of the patient to the proposed treatment. So the side effects and if there's a need for those adjustment. 
Third, signs of systemic disease that may appear during the follow-up. Not infrequently, we see an idiopathic uh, pulmonary fibrosis that may later show systemic signs of disease and in fact be a connective tissue disease, for example. Monitoring is especially important to spot progression that could lead to a rapid decline in lung function. Rheumatologist Anna Maria Hoffman-Vold adds, Monitoring of changes once pulmonary fibrosis is diagnosed is of major importance. But in comparison to the diagnosis, which is more a one-size-fits-all, the monitoring needs really to be individualized for every single patient as the pulmonary fibrosis may be mild and subtle or rapidly progressive. So it needs to be adapted on an individual basis. But also, for those affected by pulmonary fibrosis, there are many things to consider. Melissa shares where to start. I think I have some practical advice for somebody who's been diagnosed. Just the importance of one exercise, the importance of, you know, developing that relationship with your doctor and a trusting relationship with your doctor so that you can, uh, you know, this is a journey you're going to be on um, so that you can trust that doctor to give you good advice and help you through it. I would also say get an oximeter, and that gives you a lot of information about your physical physical state. For Ron, it's important to take an active role in finding this information. I have lots of questions that I ask at every appointment. I ask what my lung capacity is. I always ask to look at previous results so I can determine if I've progressed and how much I've progressed. Uh, I always ask what I can and can't do. I always ask uh, about diet, because obviously diet when you've got a condition like pulmonary fibrosis is very important. The most important things I always ask is about pulmonary rehabilitation. I'm a great believer in pulmonary rehab. And Maxine, Ron's wife, highlights the importance of meaningful conversations and trusted information. I would advise somebody when they've just been diagnosed to find somebody that you can talk to, preferably another carer, somebody who's possibly been in the same situation as you, and to get tried and trusted information. But talking to people who are actually going through it is the most reassuring route to take. Whereas nurses and all you, you often think, well, they don't understand what it's like to live it. Whereas if you're speaking to somebody who's been there, it gives you more hope. For Edith, knowledge is power. I think you need to ask the um, scary questions like, how is this likely to progress? You need to ask questions about what, what's the future. I do get an awful lot of support and a lot of information from the Patients Association. And I find that some of the the literature and the webinars and the, the conferences, very supportive and very useful. As a patient advocate and having been a care partner himself, Liam gives his advice on when to join a support group. At early stages, when you are still trying to find out if it's a common cold, chest infection or other, some other minor illness, I, I suppose it would be counterproductive for you to join a support group because you don't know that you have that serious illness. But if you are being told that you have a serious illness, 
they think it's a particular disease, that it is pulmonary fibrosis. My advice would be to join a support group, talk to other carers, uh, talk to specialised nurses, try and find out as much information as you can uh, from trusted resources. Look at practical matters around your home, uh, around your lifestyle, what can be changed. Start planning early. This is a chronic illness. It's going to make quality of life and daily activities for your loved one to change has to be adjusted. So immediately start thinking, what would I do if my wife or my husband or my partner has to go on oxygen, an oxygen tank? Would I be better uh, moving a bedroom downstairs? Be aware of what might be coming down the line. Don't dwell on it because you've still got your life to lead, things to enjoy. But in the back of your mind, do whatever you can to plan ahead so that when the time comes, you're not swamped by having to um, deal with practical matters. Obviously, a lot of information on pulmonary fibrosis can be found on the internet. But there's a catch. Here's Melissa again. When you go to Dr. Google, there's lots of information about different conditions, but not all of it is accurate, particularly when we're talking life expectancy. There's other ways of dealing with the illness now that were, are different than 10 years ago. And those estimates for life expectancy haven't been updated. And also, you know, just because the life expectancy, you know, is let's say three to five years, that doesn't tell you what's going to happen with you. Everybody's different and everybody's journey with pulmonary fibrosis is, is different try and find good trusted resources. So, you know, um, university websites, government websites, above all, your doctors really know more about the disease than is than you'll ever find on Google. Ron and Maxine agree it's important to search for trusted information. When you're diagnosed, my I say to people now is go to trusted websites. You know, Peter, trusted websites like the British Lung Foundation, the Pulmonary Fibrosis Trust, Action for Pulmonary Fibrosis. There's lots of information and there's lots of support lines. I would try to look for the charities and the registered groups out there that are specifically aimed at your disease. As we have heard, the moment of diagnosis can cause a wide variety of emotions. However, Edith, Maxine, Liam and Melissa all highlight the value of maintaining a positive outlook and not to give up hope. There's more to life than pulmonary fibrosis. Concentrate on the things you can do. You might need to make adaptations, but you can still have a very good and um, enjoyable life, even with your condition. You're going to hear all the worst scenarios and you don't get support from that. You, you just hear all the nasties. You don't hear all the things that can be positive. Not every path is, is short and dark. There can be long, beautiful pathways where you can still live, enjoy. You know, I've, this is 12 years that I'm, I've been living with pulmonary fibrosis and I plan on living quite a few more. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Journeys Through Pulmonary Fibrosis podcast. Our next episode will focus on the key role family members and loved ones play in providing support on this journey. If you enjoyed this episode, then subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. 
There you will also find previous episodes you might have missed. If you have any questions, please reach out to hello at berringer-ingelheim.com.